So if you could travel back to any moment in your life, what would you travel to? Dang, I should have been prepared for this question as well. Once again. Uh, Dang, that's a good question. I feel like... I feel like I couldn't pick anything too important. Like, I feel like it would have to be something where I would, I would just enjoy it again. I'd probably mm-hmm. like pick a movie. You know what I mean? Like that first time you see a movie. How about this? I'd go back and see Fifth Element in theaters when it first came out. That feels That's very what I would apropos for you. Yeah. Because I've seen it in theaters, but not since I didn't see it in theaters originally. So that would be pretty cool. Uh, how about you? Where would you go? Oh, no, wait. You can't go back in time. Only boys can do uh, it. <laughs> well, let's assume that a girl can do it without the assistance of a boy member of the family. I, I think I would probably go back to... When I was, you know, 18 or 19 and just go see some really rad concerts again. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like going to see I, this is going to make me sound like a, a bitter elder millennial. But the concert scene was different before everybody had their cell phones up and you could smoke indoors sure. and it was really gross and edgy and on a weird part of town that was kind of sketchy, I would love to to just go back and relive that part of my life again. Yeah, that's a pretty good pick. We we so we both have the same kinds of picks. That makes sense. Where it's like movies yeah, and music. You just want to go back. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. go back and really enjoy something. Just have a good day. Yeah. All right. Well, it's about time we get into this podcast. This is Necromancer necromancer i'm shira and i really love romantic comedies i'm joined as always by my co-host brett what movies do you like brett just just asking for the record um well you know i do like romantic comedies (gasps) but i love horror movies and this every week you're a necromancer I wish that somebody would just record a theme song for us describing the premise, but I'm going to describe it to you in spoken word. I pick a rom-com, Brett picks a horror movie. We then flip-flop those movies, turning the rom-com into a horror and the horror into a rom-com. This week, we are continuing our theme of actress extraordinaire Rachel McAdams, and we're talking about about time it's about time we talk about rachel mcadams's innate 
flirtiness. Yes, you know, in the in the first Rachel McAdams episode, I asked my usual actor question that I always ask when we do this type of theme, which is what is their superpower? And I'm still convinced that Rachel McAdams' superpower is that she's plucky. Difficult to describe mm-hmm. without looking it up on the dictionary what plucky is, but Rachel McAdams is that. She's sweet, she's kind, but she's also got a, a confidence, a backbone to her. She's like a, a Disney character, sweet enough to care about other people, but brave enough to go on the adventure. Yeah, it's it's kind of like bubbly, but taken down a notch. Yes. Plucky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like she doesn't, um, she's not over the top in her sweetness. She, you know, I don't know. I think others would argue with me whether or not Rachel McAdams is a manic pixie dream girl, but I don't think that she is in the same way that, say, Zoe Deschanel is often yeah. remarked upon as a manic pixie dream girl. She is a girl next door, but also not. I don't know. She, she, she doesn't necessarily a plucky, yeah, a plucky pixie dream girl. She doesn't necessarily fit into one category. And in about time, I I wouldn't say that this is like the most powerful Rachel McAdams performance, but she is part of what makes this movie such a sweet movie. Yes. Um Last week, I said her double take was um, was part of her superpowers. And I think that that's on full display in the rom-com more than the horror. Uh, oh, her, yes. her just ability to look at Domhnall Gleeson, like, for the second time, just kind of thinking, you know, like, do I, like, I like him. Like, is it okay to like him? Should Should I like him? Like... Um, cause he's Domino Gleason. He's inherently charming, but also awkward. And so she's a really good partner with his energy. It is so interesting to think, uh, is it Brendan Gleason? Is daddy Gleason? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is weird to think that there's Brendan Gleason, who is this just very big physical presence and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's dominating and oftentimes scary. Even in the rom-com in... we saw him and he was scary. <laughs> right. And then Donald um, Gleason but... is the exact opposite of that. Yeah, he's the timid, shy guy. He he wouldn't be the villain. He's the <laughs> villain. He's in dread. He plays the guy who's like being forced by the villain to use his it skills to be the it guy isn't and then Um, he was also the robot made for love in black mirror um wasn't he a bad guy though in star wars i oh no oh yeah star wars he yeah he was in it he was a bad guy pretty much yeah but like a, a supporting bad guy Right, right. Yeah. yeah, he's never a king bad guy. You know, he gives great sad puppy eyes, but yeah, it's nothing to the sort of adoration and and curiosity that uh, Rachel McAdams gives off. I feel like she, the energy she has in this movie is she's she's curious and she's yeah. sweet and she's open 
to the experience of being with this shy, sad puppy guy. Yeah, she she doesn't have a strict, rigid plan for life either. Um, because Domhnall Gleeson sure doesn't. If he doesn't like it, he can just go back and do something else. Um, so yeah, they both have this kind of like, just go with the flow kind of vibe. Um, and they're constantly just like, they're just getting along so well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, they, they really have great friendly, sweet chemistry together. And it's a different kind of romantic chemistry than what I think the people usually go for. I think that enemies to lovers or hate to love is really popular because belligerent sexual attention is super fun to watch. And I bet it's super fun to play as actors too. And so I think sweeter romances, like what you see in about time are kind of underrated. Yeah. It's, um, I can see, I can see why. <laughs> yeah, the uh, enemies to lovers is uh, satisfying. Well, it's satisfying. Um, it's very easy to create both internal and external conflicts for these characters right. to deal with. And so it's, well, how do you do that when your characters are sweet and good to each other and they like each other? well, you have to create conflict outside of the relationship. And I think that they do that in this movie in really fun and interesting ways. Like a lot of romances, comedy and otherwise, it's pretty much curtains after we've fulfilled the plot of getting these two crazy kids together. Rarely do we get to follow a couple not only through their, you know, meeting and and all of that but past marriage and kids and family deaths and and just life yeah it's it's refreshing it was the movie felt it definitely felt refreshing because the moment they would take a, a like they would take a moment to go slowly and show you this slice of life but their transitions into the next stage of life were always satisfying. Like, yeah, it it was a good movie. (laughs) You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me a little bit of from up on Poppy Hill in that I feel like this is a hangout movie. I think that if you're expecting big things to happen with this time travel premise, like, big fantasy sci-fi plot things, you're going to be really disappointed because that's just not what this movie's about. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. But um, yeah, this movie, I I was kind of waiting for them to like step on the gas a bit more, but they never did. They always just kind of rode that line of like, no, we're not going to make it that kind of movie. Yeah, that's I, I felt. Yeah, I felt like the movie was constantly reassuring me of like, no, we're just going to play it cool and we're going to make a nice, sweet movie. Right. And I think also what's interesting to me about this movie and reviewing it with you is that it is the dreaded Richard Curtis, 
which rom-com yeah. fans, y'all know Richard Curtis from Love Actually, Notting Hill, Four Weddings and a Funeral. He is the British Rob Reiner. Although, I don't know. I feel like Richard Curtis would be like, no, Rob Reiner is American me. Um, who knows? <laughs> right. Who knows what they what they actually think of each other? But he, to me, is is one of the icons, along with Nancy Meyer and Nora Ephron, of the rom com genre. And so I, you know, <clears throat> I know that Notting Hill profoundly did not work for you. How does it feel to go from that to this? It yeah, it was night and day uh the whole time although i will say when i saw richard curtis's name i was like oh him in a way that was more curious like like rachel mcadams in this movie i too was very curious because uh this movie has always been one of those movies that when people bring it up they just they glow about it Oh, you know what I mean? yes, I can tell you. I, and I'm always, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm always thinking, really, that movie, like, even if it's underrated, there's still a glow about people when they talk about this movie. So I was definitely like, yeah, sure. You know, show me what you got, Richard Curtis. Let's go. I'm, I'm up for the ride. And throughout the movie, I was constantly like, yeah, man, we're having a good time. He delivered. Um, he really delivered yeah. on this one. All right. Should we dive in? Yes, I cannot wait. It's about time. About time. All right. I got to make sure I get all my names right here and stuff. Um, so we've got Tim. Tim Lake. He grows up in Cornwall. Where does he grow up? Cornwall. And he's got his father, James, his mother, Mary, and uh, they've got this weird uncle who's like this lovably absent-mindedly oblivious to everything. Um, and Kit Kat. Kit Kat is his sister, who he adores. She's he a loves free her. spirit. Um, she is a free spirit. Um She's almost more manic pixie dream girl if this yes. veered off into her movie. Right, right, right. Um, but then, so we we open and we meet his family. And then it's a very slow opening. It's very lovely to meet this family on this quiet countryside. And Domhnall Gleeson seems like a very chill, introverted guy. And then, boom, we cut to New Year's Eve party, like, a house filled with people, loud music. It's very awkward for him. And it's at not his only house. It, it's it's kind of right. a crazy party to have with people of all ages, but I don't know. It's Cornwall. That's how they do it up there. Sure. Uh they've got a big house, so everyone just comes to them. Um and yeah, so it's just very off-putting. People are bumping into things, knocking things over, and then of course he's sort of pushed into a situation where he has to kiss a girl at midnight. Um, but he chickens out and he can't she's do it. So and she's upset. visibly disappointed because she really likes him because he's a very likable guy right off the bat. Um, and it is one of those moments where it's just, uh, if only you could go back and just, you know what, just 
kiss her. Just do it. If only. Uh, wake up to the next morning. It's his 21st birthday, and Bill Nighy sits him down. Uh, his father, James, sits him down for the talk, which is the men in this family can travel back in time. And I don't know if Bill Nighy has like ever been better. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's fantastic so good in, in this, this movie. movie. He is so awesome. And I feel like he makes these subtle choices in his delivery that makes you think that because he's a time traveler, that some of these conversations he's having with Tim aren't the first time. For instance, the right. awkward way he says, uh, uh, sit down, as if maybe he's had this conversation when Tim wasn't sitting and something happened, or, right. you know, he just, he, his kind of weird behavior totally comes from the fact that he lives every day more than once. Right. Uh, and it's just, I, I'm not like, I'm not a, a, a liquor guy. But, you know, like the difference between shelf uh, well, like a well scotch versus top notch, top shelf scotch. Like Bill Nighy is top notch scotch. Oh, absolutely. It, he, just, it, he just goes down so smooth. He's like his whole delivery is just smooth. Um, but of course, what are we going to do? We're immediately going to test out our superpowers, which is he goes into a, a tight space, a dark space. He clenches his fists. How did you like the, the rules? Moment. I figured you would have loved yeah. the fact that the rules are very clearly established. Right. And this isn't the movie that's concerned with time travel stuff. It's like, nope, this is the rules. Every action has a consequence and we're going to deal like this, like mature adults. Um, yeah, he goes back in time. It's the night before. It's New Year's Eve. The party is raving. Uh, instead of bumping into things, he's able to maneuver people around things because he's already lived this night. Aha. And then the the ball drops, the countdown happens, and he goes in for the kiss, and she is visibly just so ecstatic to have been kissed by Domhnall Gleeson. Uh, she thanks him, and it's a wonderful victory for time travel. Nothing will go wrong from here. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> right. Um, and then we get Ooh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie stops into Early town. Early Margot Robbie. This is um. When was yeah. about time made? Uh, it it. I feel like two thousand thirteen. Two thousand thirteen. I feel like this is pre Wolf of Wall Street. Margot Robbie before she became more internationally recognized. But we could all tell yeah. that this this girl has something. Right, yeah, she, I, I would think this one came out before Wolf of Wall Street too, yeah, but both performances are very confident performances. She's very charming in this movie, um, but it's his first, it's his first real love, which is a very teenage introverted boy love of like, he's awkward around her and he really likes her mm -hmm. and like she's just a pretty lady but she's also very nice to him and she's a nice person so he's just so weird around her he spends the whole summer 
being weird. Of course, he'll, he'll always go back in time just to change the little things, like not being weird with the sunscreen. <laughs> I thought that was but, funny. Um, I also <laughs> I also liked when Bill Nye says to him, did you enjoy the summer, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> he knows. He knows. But uh, yeah, on the very last night, he does the thing of like, I'm going to be shy. And I know this relationship has an expiration date. But like, so maybe if just on the last night we were together, you know, if that was a thing you'd be interested in. And she kind of is like, oh. You know, it's kind of, it feels cheap to ask me on the last night. You should have asked me at the beginning of the summer. And he's like, oh, oh, well, uh, excuse me for a minute. And then he goes out and he time travels back to the beginning of summer. And he pretty much approaches her the same way and says, hey, uh, you know, it'd be really cool if we got to know each other over the summer. And she's like, hmm, I do think that would be cool. Ask me again on the last night. (laughs) and so i i really liked that because it just showed that in any scenario she just wasn't into him right she was like cautiously into him in the sense of like i'm just gonna say no now but like thank you yeah it was Um, definitely uh i like you thank you right um but yeah it was very well handled very like uh it it was very good and it allows us to then transition seamlessly once he's been defeated by by once he's been rejected by love he's able to transfer seamlessly into city life which is filled with things like tom hollander as his roommate (laughs) oh what a great actor i love him this guy freaking nails it in this movie i mostly know him from um hannah where he plays an excellent villain really um in hannah Oh man, he's great in that movie, but he's much scarier in that movie. But yeah, he's just got a way of like delivering a very quiet performance, but a very <laughs> a very noticeable one. Oh, he's He's the miserable playwright. He's great in um, uh so he would be familiar to to romance fans as uh Mr. Collins from Pride and Prejudice, the one with uh, Kiera Knightley. He is the Bellamy of that story where he's introduced as an ideal suitor for Elizabeth Bennet, but he is just awful and she cannot stand Mm. him. Well, allow me to go on a little (laughs) bit of a detour because I was going to wrap up with this, but... Tom Holland, uh, Tom Hollander, he worked with Joe Wright, the director of Pride and Prejudice, Uh who also directed Hannah. Uh So he knows how to utilize this guy as a bad guy. I was going to say About Time is the kind of movie that it would be refreshing to go back and watch when you're working on something like a crazy action movie, Um, which is probably what Joe Wright did when he made Hannah. Because Hannah is super refreshing because it takes out of left field approaches to normal action conventional tropes. 
So, yeah, I think that this movie is very well made uh, about time. I think it's a refreshing movie, and I think it's the kind of movie that, like, it would benefit to watch when thinking about other genres. And you often criticize the rom-coms we watch for not being cinematic. And I would say in a non-critical way that About Time is hella cinematic. It uses transitions, sound design, cuts. It, it's it the shot selection. You're right. Everything. This movie's very cinematic. Um, I never watched being the TV show or Black Adder, but it looks like Richard Curtis did a lot of writing for those two shows. And I I'm did not watch he got his Bean. pilot wings. Yeah, so I think I did watch the movie Bean when that came out, and I thought it was hilarious. Oh my god! I had gosh. no idea who Bean was. I'm still traumatized um, when he drops the M&M inside the patient. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like he's got... This movie feels like even if it were a silent film, all the transitions, all the cuts, everything would translate. You're right. This movie's very cinematic. It uses a bunch of tools at its disposal. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. <laughs> so he's in the city now. He's adjusting to city life and lawyer life or barrister life, whatever you call it. Yeah. And while he's in the city, he goes on what is essentially a blind date in the truest Literal. sense. He goes to a restaurant called Dans Le, Dans Le Noir, which is in the dark. So it's one of those restaurants where you are eating completely in the dark. And so we get a very clever, like, uh, in improv, they call it the bat, which is you do it like a radio play. <laughs> They they do a radio play for you. They yeah. just use dialogue and you hear them naturally flirt and get along in their conversation. The time jumps are very well done. It just you naturally progress through this date with ease, which is hard because you don't see the person. And you've never met them. Oh, but it cre creates so much fun tension because the guys go outside and they're waiting right. for the girls to come out. And he's into Rachel McAdams. His friend is into Vanessa Kirby, Princess Margaret. Uh, yeah. And that that first look at each other is really charming because she's so it shy. Is. She does bash. Rachel McAdams does bashful like nobody else. Yeah, and it wasn't a bashful that's like over the top. You no, know, I mean? not at all. She's just she's dialed in perfectly and perfectly to match Domhnall Gleeson because he's also got reason to be nervous because he's a he's a tall, pasty, white redhead guy who's like a nervous. Yeah, introvert. he looks like the ghost of a Victorian child. Yes, but he's so charming and he's he's very handsome in his way. So they get along very well. It's so great. She gives him his number and it's a very great, awkward scene. Um, 
but it's cute awkward then we go back to the house to check in on the roommate the playwright hey how did your play go it went terribly one of the actors forgot his lines and the whole thing was a mess hmm maybe there's something i can do about that good old timmy boy to the rescue tim the time boy to the rescue (laughs) um he jumps back in time and he gives the actor a little kind of nudge towards hey maybe you should refresh your lines great comedic bit of oops wrong actor and then he has to go and do it again to the right actor this time um but yeah the the whole play is a success the next morning tom hollander who is a miserable guy is on cloud nine and he's just loving life because his play is a success however oopsie time travel has consequences he never went on the date with mary now or with what's her name mary um okay with mary and so now he's got to try to find he her doesn't again. have her number Right, but he knows she's a big Kate Moss fan, so what does he do is he goes to the Kate Moss exhibit and we get a cool little time montage of him watching at the museum every day until he sees Mary again. And he does not give much thought (laughs) for how much time he had to think about it. He really doesn't give much thought into how he's going to approach the situation. He screws it up royally. (laughs) Like he comes across as right in. He just comes across as the biggest creep. And it's so sad because we, the audience know that he's not a creep. He's just a time. He's an awkward time travel time boy. Uh, yeah, and he doesn't. And, he doesn't know what to do. And their date went so well, and she really did like him after the first date. So if only she knew, if only she could give him that chance. Um, but he's able to awkwardly, Woody Allenly weasel his way into um, spending some time with them, and so he does. He spends some time with them. He learns a little bit more about her appreciation for kate moss and then the the thing comes up of a boyfriend because he checked in when right and he checked in with her on the one date night and she didn't have a boyfriend but now she has a boyfriend so it's got to be pretty recently right boyfriend shows up and then we get a great little spin on the tell us how you met story and he's uh, so frantic too he's interrogating Donald, he he homes in like a laser on like where did you meet i need the address i need the timestamp. <laughs> i need to like in gps coordinates he he lasers in so of course what does he do he time travels back to that night and he uses a bunch of his now uh things details that he knows about her he uses them in a little bit more of a suave way to really just uh tickle that curiosity bone that that you pointed out earlier that rachel mcadams has she he he just tickles the curiosity and goes please just come and spend the night with me 
And she says yes. Yeah, it's very sweet. He tells her that they can get 10 appetizers. <laughs> yeah, he makes it he makes it awkward and, and but he makes it work for him. And she and she picks up on the awkwardness and she like improvises with him and yes ands him and she's like 10 appetizers, huh? And he's like, "Oh yeah, 10." And so it's great. They go on their first oh, date. Oh, wait. Can I just point out this one part that I that, absolutely loved, which is as they're walking out of the party, <laughs> Tim cannot resist seeing the, the the boyfriend from the other timeline cross by, and he just says, what a dickhead. And because she's, yeah. she's with Donald Gleason and she's in the moment, she goes, yeah. Yeah, because like, he kind of bumped into them or like they were entering at the same time. So it was an awkward exchange and he was already drinking. So he was like, hey, and he had a beer and they're like, oh, and it was like, oh, what a dickhead. And yeah, it just it was the perfect sort of moment because it, it wasn't scumbaggy. It wasn't like Domino Gleason was giving him the finger like I won. I'm oh, the, no, I'm the but top it's like, dog. You can't. It, he it couldn't just, resist it. That's what I took it, it as was the cherry, the cherry on top. You're right. Um, but after this first great date, they have the, I, I loved the part of can you walk me to my car? And then he says, wow, you parked really far away. And she's like, yeah, I parked in front of my place. That is really cute. That's so smooth. (laughs) Like, that's a great, like, that puts all the pressure off of him in terms of, like, getting consent from her. She's like, hey, this is my place. Oh, she's down to clown. And they do. They go upstairs and she is so wonderfully shy and he's so wonderfully respectful and they have a wonderfully normal, appropriate first time together. Um, But he's a time traveler. Then Donald Gleason immediately (laughs) goes back. No pillow talk, no nothing. He immediately jumps back in time and he does it again. He's much better this time. Well, now he knows what she uh, likes. That's not it. That's not it. One more time. He goes back in time, rushes in, does the super sweeping rom-com thing of just being totally awesome yeah and they have they wind up on the floor ludicrous yep. style oh man um so yeah this is great right so we should probably spend some more intimate time with these guys as they go through the ups and down of their relationship but instead we kind of veer more into this metro montage of just living life I love There's no tension. Uh, there's nothing. It's just living and you see them enjoying each other. Love that montage. I love that it's anchored around them going to the the metro, going to their separate stops, 
doing things together and then it's all anchored by this needle drop which is the song how long will i love you and the buskers are singing it and it's so sweet and we get a lot of you know plot information in the montage that you know a things are going really well for them and b things are not going well for tim's sister and that's all we need to move that plot piece forward and yeah, I really loved that montage. It was it was great. It was fantastic. Um, and then we also have, of course, an awkward interaction where Tim meets uh, Mary's parents. Um, oh, God. But then this weird thing happens where I think it's a little bit awkward. We take this weird detour where Margot Robbie shows back up and Tim is like, smitten by her all over again in a way okay she's margot robbie so give him a break but yeah but he like he approaches her and of course he's awkward so then he goes back in time and he tries to fix it but every time he does he just makes it awkward so then he goes back in time and just brushes it off and is like i don't even want to talk to her but of course fate has other plans and they end up bumping into each other anyway and they essentially go out on an accidental impromptu date. And the date goes really well. Like, he's not trying to be charming, but he is charming. And she's not trying to be charming, but she is charming. So things are going really well. And Margot Robbie invites him into her hotel room. And it's, I, I, was there supposed to be kind of like tension? Here? Like it so just felt I awkward. Just, I feel like it's meant to be this catalyst moment where he has what he thought he originally wanted right in his grasp. And if you really think about it, because he's a time traveler, he could have sex with Margot Robbie at no moral cost because he could just simply right. go back in time and erase it. In that moment, he realizes how much he truly, truly loves Mary. And then he has to immediately run back and marry her. So I meant it, I think it's yeah. just meant to show that even faced with the ultimate temptation, his love for her is so strong that nothing can tear him away. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, to me, it was a little bit too much of whiplash just to go from, like, this moment that was a no-brainer. Like, to me, it was a no-brainer. Like, yeah, you've got Rachel McAdams, you know what I mean? Like, Margot Robbie, yeah, you had your one summer, it, but it's, you've spent how long? Like, how how big is the time jump? Uh, you know what I mean? I like, don't know. He's in love with Rachel McAdams. It's obvious by yeah. that point. I think yeah. the Metro montage nailed it. Like, I didn't you, need You didn't Marvel need further thing. proof that he loved her. No. What did you think of the proposal scene? I thought the proposal scene was great. It, um, just the fact that it was his first try, right? But even <laughs> then, she's like, I'm glad you didn't do anything over the top or melodramatic. And he has to, like, go out and, like, tell the band from the Metro (laughs) who's playing the romantic song to like leave. Uh, Yeah, it was very funny. 
Yeah, I, I really like that. Uh, do we pretty much just go right into the wedding preparation and the wedding scene? Pretty much, yeah. Before we have the big wedding scene and, and prep, we have a little bit more father-son bonding time Aww. with Domhnall Gleeson and uh, Bill Aww. Nighy. And it's great. They just so bond much. so well together. But then we have the marriage game where she plays strip answer my marriage wedding proposal plan questions. I thought that and was very cute. Very cute. Um, and he's giving these answers to like, where should we hold the venue? Who should be best man? And if he says the wrong answer, she's like, I don't know. And then he says the right answer and she takes it off. And then I love the thing about Bali, like honeymoon. And then she's running around. Oh, right. I'm not taking off my underwear for Scotland. I want two weeks in Bali. Yeah. And it's so cute. It was very adorable. Um, And then we go through the wedding and like, she's playing the song that she said a hard pass on. So she's playing the song just for him and he loves her and the wedding yeah, uh, and she wears kind of red because dis- she's pregnant yeah. already. Uh, oh, that's right. And the wedding kind of is a disaster in the sense that it's raining, but it's they, they're in so much love that they don't care. It's very great. I loved the setup of the best man speech <laughs> and how we get how we get multiple versions and then we get the dad. And the dad's detour into his multiple versions <laughs> of the best man's speech. No, it was a great. I, I love that. I love that when a great moment when Bill Nye's like, "I should have said I love you," and and Tim's like, "You really don't. You, I love it. Just yeah. you don't have to go back." And he's like, "No, I'm. I got to do it. I'm going to do I got it." it. <laughs> uh, it it was yeah, it was very well delivered. Uh, but then bam, boom, we hit the baby. We we hit the baby. I, I like <laughs> I really like that because you know you get a yeah. quiet moment and Rachel McAdams says, So now it begins. And I loved yeah. I loved that because again, it's like I was talking about earlier in the episode. Uh so many movies just end at that point. But now the real adventure is beginning for these characters. Their life is becoming more complicated, but also richer. Right. And the impact of like the baby just being born is, yeah, that's how that must be how it feels to just like, boom, the baby's born. But you're right. Like the moment in the movie is quiet because we spend time just holding the baby right Um, or but just adjusting to this change and then of course i think this is probably the part that you enjoyed was that uh we learned that babies have consequences for time travel yes so we take the sister detour which is his sister kit kat has kind of fallen in with a rough crowd or her boyfriend is the bad influence and so she's, I don't, I can't remember if it's drugs or if it's just drinking alcohol, but she's just she's they have an in, on and off again, unstable relationship, and it drives her to intoxicate herself. Yeah. And so it's pretty bad. She actually gets into an accident. And so Tim, Tim the time boy, comes to the <laughs> rescue. 
he decides instead of just going back to stop the accident, he's going to go back and actually surgically remove these weeds from the, the ground and not just go in with a shovel. He goes all the way back to the beginning and just removes Jimmy completely. However, when he goes to current day to go, aha, job well done, he goes to pick up his daughter Posey, and his daughter is now a son, and it's not Posey, it's a boy, and so he goes to check in with his dad, and his dad lays it down that you can't go back to before the baby was born, otherwise you lose like you, you the it, it's magic like it's kind of implied you know like sperm. a soul you know what i mean yeah like you, you have one soul you, you can't just replace one timeline baby with another timeline baby come on that's crazy um i also like but, it as just a a metaphor for what it's like to be a parent you can't go back to life before baby you just have to move right. forward. It also serves a great purpose of he can't fix Kit Kat's problems for her. She has to take responsibility for her own actions and he can just use his time travel to maybe like help put a bandaid on something, but he can't right. actually like fix the stuff for her. Um, but then we get this this great moment between him and Bill Nighy and, and this kind of montage where he goes through this, this sort of rule for life that he has where every day he just lets it play out normally, good or bad, no matter what. And then he immediately goes back and relives the exact same day only those small moments, good or bad, no matter what, he just kind of takes them as they are and enjoys the moment. And it's kind of just like mindfulness. It's constant mindfulness. Right. He's just checked in with everything around him. And he's just, he has this Zen happiness. Oh, it's, um, so, it's so sweet. And then also he tells him this, around the same time that he reveals that he has cancer and that he knew because yes. he, he's a time traveler, he knew he had right. cancer. And so he did everything he could to catch it early. He also retired at 50 so that he could spend more time with his kids, which that made me almost cry when yeah. we learned that the whole reason that he you know, spend so much time with Tim and table tennis and, you know, doing all these quality time things together is because he knew that he had a limited time. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I'm going to say right here in this moment, I'm ready to end the movie based on knowing what comes next because what comes next is kind of like for me slamming into a brick wall no um, you didn't like the day at the beach i hate i almost laughed out no loud it's at so sweet hey, brett okay whoever's listening to this you should know 
Brett is absolutely wrong when Bill Nye decides that he wants to have one last day enjoying his time with Tim and they go and they time travel back to when Tim is a kid and they run on the beach and it's very sweet. It's very sweet. It's very Hallmark. I think, I mean, I'm being negative. I think it's like saccharine, right? Like it's too sweet. Isn't that what it like? It's just too much for me. But then we get this whole thing of like live. He then he goes into this whole new philosophy where he just lives every day once. He doesn't even use his time. He doesn't travel time powers. travel anymore. Time. The, Tim the time boy retires, <laughs> and we just we do get this nice moment of like we check in with the community and with them as a couple, and it's everything is very cute and everyone's very happy. Um, but like to me. It just, I, I kind of hit a brick wall there. <laughs> and I hope that I'm in the minority there because the rest of the movie was a wonderful movie. Um, But yeah, the ending just didn't, didn't do it for me. I'm sorry. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So before we get into our remixes, we got to ask the question, who would you kill from this movie? I am going to kill Tom Hollander, and it's kind of <gasps> no! a mercy kill. It's put him out of his misery. <laughs> I gotta do it. He was so good at being miserable. He like, would really he take off as a, a playwright. Understated. Yeah, his performance was very understated. It was a a wonderful, miserable man. <laughs> uh, who who are you killing? Oh, Jimmy, the deadbeat boyfriend. He's nothing but trouble. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. He doesn't really spend a lot of time on screen, though, right? So I didn't think about him as much. But his impact was that he made no, Kit right. Kat's life worse. So, you know, you're right. I just I'd take him out. Yeah, that's a very kind thing of you to do. Um, yeah, he's got to go. That fucker's got to go. All right. So how was it to turn this into a horror movie? I'm going to say I have a great horror movie, except I, there's like a giant plot hole that we'll address at the end. <laughs> like, I didn't want to sacrifice the premise for the fact that it, it doesn't work. I think that's fair. Um, how about you? You know, I wouldn't necessarily say mine is great, but I will say that right in the middle of me writing it, I just added a different detail that I'm like, ooh, this is fun. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm happy with it. It just, I I would need to do more if I wanted to actually turn this into a fully fleshed out pitch. Um, right. but, but yeah, I added an additional element. Did you, did you include time travel in yours? I did. Ah, of course. Of I course. Did. No, and I did really want to make use of the opportunity to use time travel. Yes. Um, so I think I should go first because mine probably needs more work. So we'll just <laughs> glaze over it and spend a little bit more time on yours. I doubt it. I think yours will need less work. I doubt it, but that's mine... okay. <laughs> <laughs> mine i have a great i think this is a better tagline than it is a title Ooh, give it to me the, the, the title for mine is 
Deja Who. Ooh. Ooh. Um, so we're going to go with, I guess I'm going to change it from Tim to Mary, because I wrote Tim, but this is Rachel McAdams' episode, so we're going to give her the, the spotlight. So we have Mary. Mary has a normal childhood. Uh, and so we just go through a, a montage of her childhood. We can have voiceover of her giving us the details about her wacky uncle and crazy brother and all that stuff. But then she goes to college, right? And so, of course, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we'll, we'll do a, another smash cut of like quiet family life to smash cut right in the party. It's her first time drinking. She drinks. And then she wakes up and then she's going around campus and people are like avoiding her. And then she sees on YouTube, of course, it's not like a mega hit. It's just, you know, something with like 32 views or something. Uh, She sees that she did something dumb and stupid. And she's like, oh, man, I really like did something stupid and embarrassing last night. Maybe it was related to the drinking. Huh? Maybe? Well, we cut to another moment in her life. Uh, She's on a date, and the date goes really well. However, there is a moment that's a little awkward in the date where maybe she makes, like, what could be taken as an offensive-type joke, but the person that she's on the date with, like, flirts back with her and, like, makes it not offensive and is like, no, I get what you mean. And so, like, it's a moment that could be awkward, but isn't. Then, the next day, she goes to show up at the follow-up lunch date they have planned, or she goes to call, she does the follow-up, but he's angry at her, and he references the offensive joke that she made. Uh So what's going on? She thought it was okay, but now it's not okay. What? Then... We cut to more life stuff, blah, blah, blah. We, we go to an ATM. She goes to her ATM, goes in, and she has a balance significantly higher than what she should have. So after the ATM, she realizes she's being followed, and then she's kind of kidnapped by some people, and they're like, give us our money back, and they break her legs, or they break her arms, oh, no. or do something. Like, it's bad. Like, it's real bad. So she's like, what is going on here? So, like, if they break her arm, right? Because having a having a character in a cast, I feel like this is kind of a Hitchcockian noir vibe. Like, having a character in a cast would make sense. Yeah. Like, you know, your character is visibly at a disadvantage. Um, then she goes to her job, and it is revealed from her job that she has actually been stealing money this entire time oh, she's been at her no. job it's one of those things she did where, an like, office space taken... yeah she took a little off the top you're right she stole just those fractions of pennies so then there's a chase but she ends up in prison and so then we go to the courtroom and she pleads not guilty but when she goes to bed and comes back the next day at court She's being sentenced as if she pled guilty. What? What is happening? 
So then we go to prison and she's in jail. She's got a jailmate. The jailmate is her evil twin. We go back in time and this whole time the evil twin has had disguises in all the scenes. So we do the flashback scene and the evil twin's been watching and the evil twin would watch and then go back and fuck shit up because they looked identical. And why you ask? Tell us why. I don't know. I, I don't know. Oh, that's I the have plot no hole? idea. So that's what we would need to fix for round two. But the rest of the movie has a Hitchcockian like, wait, it's it's the thing you like, which is the girl's crazy and no one believes her. I love that kind of movie. Uh, right. So borrowing from my own pitch, what if the reason why is not that she's an evil twin, but that she is Mary from an alternate timeline and she wants to kill her to steal her life. Ah, uh, yeah, that would make more sense. Having an alternate timeline version. Yeah. Yeah, no, she wants, yeah. she wants what the other Mary has. Right. Um. No, yeah, that's a good note. So... Looks like you're already a step ahead. No, no, I think, yeah, I just, I was like, ooh, I think that that would, that would, that would turn the key on this one. Yeah, is that what turned your key? It is. That is the detail? It is. That yeah, is, yeah, yeah. That is one of the details on mine. Yeah, very smart. Uh, but yeah, I like Deja Who. Deja Who is a good one. Of course, when I created mine, I had to riff on the original title. So the title is About Time I Kill You. Although, oh. the okay, the grammar person in me kept thinking, okay, is it present tense, <laughs> about time I kill you? Or is it, should it be past perfect, about time I killed you? I would say the latter. If I was an evil villain, I would think like, I'm already like, this is the moment where I do kill you. I'm going to succeed. So it's about time I killed you. Okay. Like, I agree yeah, with yeah. you, but it just, it was messing up my head. And I, I had that distinct feeling like Shira, you are the only person who <laughs> cares about the verb tense of <laughs> kill in the title no, you of can your work fake that into movie. An action. Yeah, you can work that into one of the action rom-coms that you do. Yeah, they <laughs> could have that uh, that awkward exchange. Right. Uh, don't you mean killed? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we we leave the part about Tim being a time traveler and Tim is still a time boy. Uh and, you know, importantly in about time Bill Nye claims that so far the butterfly effect has not occurred as far as he knows there's no there's no consequence to time travel uh so of course tim has a ton of fun time traveling but then he begins to notice an older gentleman in a trench coat and hat following him kind of like the smoking man from the x-files and then yeah. tim just thinks am i going crazy kind of like how mary thinks she's going crazy in your movie yeah i was gonna say we both have people stalking people oh, yeah, yeah that's a very time travel thing to be like what's going oh, on oh yeah here? no we were definitely on the same wavelength there and then his suspicions are confirmed when he's on a date in the blind restaurant with mary 
when he's suddenly attacked, but then Mary is able to fight the assailant with ease. So, you know, there's, I think you could do something like the radio play, like you're talking about where there's all these um, Foley effects for knife fights and, you know, gunshots and this and that. And it's Mary, not Tim, who's the one who's fighting back. Uh, And maybe the guy gets one good stab in. uh, And so Mary tells Tim, much to his surprise, maybe she says something like, go back in time and meet me here. So she defended him from the attacker. She knows about the time travel. Oh, my God, what's going on? So he goes and she confesses to him that she knows he's a time boy because Mary is a multiverse girl. What? Tim's a tri- Tim's a time traveler. She's a multiverse traveler and she wow. is part of a group that protects time travelers. So that she can have more verses to go through. Because the truth is that every time Tim travels back in time, it splits reality. And and therefore, every jump has a cost. And I mean, sometimes the cost is just instant death for whichever version of him is in the reality left behind. Um, But other times he's left behind and he's pissed off. Because wouldn't yeah. you be pissed off if time traveling worked for you right up into that moment and then suddenly you couldn't time travel anymore? Yeah. It, it might be enough to drive some Tims to revenge. Ah. Oh. <laughs> um, this is like a male, this is like a time travel male version of like erectile dysfunction (laughs) like oh no it's not working anymore so tim in world a basically gets to remain stable while the other multiverses are just you know a range of possibilities tim is of course horrified mary is nonplussed because she loves the multiverse and she loves traveling uh and uh i i put in there she says something like ah i've even killed hitler a couple of times and tim looks really confused and she says something like oh sometimes they bring him back <laughs> or something That's like that funny. just like you yeah. know she's just seen a lot of wacky different alternate realities right. so so mary's really kooky Uh, So they work together to figure out who's trying to kill him and maybe they get flirty with each other too and hook up, but it's kind of a casual thing, not like how it is in about time. So they trace it all back to the trench coat guy who they find out is Tim from another universe. Of course. As I was saying, and he wants to get rid of Tim and find a universe where he can be with Mary because this Tim is obsessed with the love story between himself and Mary. And Tim is shocked to learn that apparently there are many, many realities where he and Mary are married with kids. And she kind of brushes it off like, ah, oh, yeah, it's a whole thing. There's even a movie in one reality. Right. Uh, and there's a final showdown between Tim and Alt Tim, as I've been calling him. And Alt Tim is about to kill Tim, and Tim screams to Mary for help. 
But then Mary shoots both of them. No. And as Tim is bleeding out on the ground, he rasps, why? (laughs) And Mary just says, I wish I could say you're you're irreplaceable, but, and then she just plugs him again a couple more times and jumps through the door to a new verse. Aww. Yeah, it's it's the horror ending. Yeah, it is a non-HEA, as I complained yeah. about the previous week. Um, Yeah, that's a very good, like, very Rick and Morty, very Spider-Verse, very... I did think of Rick and Morty. I, I yeah. do like that Rick and Morty has an extremely cynical perspective on time travel right um yeah good stuff yeah about time i killed you well it's about time we start to wrap things up you can find us on social media at necrobancer pod if you love us you will like us subscribe to us and review us wherever you listen to podcasts all right, let's get into Love Bites. What would you like to recommend this week, Brett? Well, I would like to recommend some anime. Ooh, I um, love anime. I'm sure, I'm sure you're familiar with Gundam. I am. My brothers you had Gundam, Gundam figurines. Is. Yeah, I had one too. Um, so I, I kind of... Grew up with the Toonami Adult Swim. Oh, Gundam Toonami, Wing. Gundam Wing. Um, so I asked Sonia's brother for advice on which Gundams I should get into. Because there are a lot. As many as there are um, Macrosses. It's so much. So what he did was he suggested the original OG Gundam. Ooh. But he said that there's... Because that's, that's a huge... Thing. it's got a bunch of episodes he said netflix has the movie versions right like essentially an ova or oh whatever. right like the uh, evangelion movies right so i watched the gundam one two and three on netflix and i really liked it and it is jarring but that's the price you pay for condensing material in on itself um it was great then i watched char's attack Char is a character from the first one. A great natural extension follow-up with some awesome, crazy escalations in terms of the Gundam designs. Then I watched Hathaway. Hathaway's going to jump forward, and it's a little slower. Way more about the corporate and political aspect, which Gundam is always about. Right, that's Gundam what I remember. almost... Gundam almost feels like a documentary that's playing out in real time of like, if we developed this kind of technology, this is exactly what would happen. This corporation would get super rich. These colonies would start to produce their own GDP and want to succeed from Earth. And it's crazy. Um, But then I watched Gundam Unicorn, which was very fantastical. And I liked it all the way up to the last episode. But I'm currently on Gundam 8th MS Team. And this one is by far the best one. This is the one that Sonya's brother said was her favorite. And I'm halfway through it. And I can easily understand why it's 
the best one that I've seen. Oh, so nice. Far. I'll have to check that out because I haven't watched it since the Toonami days. Yeah, I would highly recommend Gundam 8th MS Team. But either way, I just really like all the Gundam designs and oh, the action so cool. set pieces. Like, I know what I'm getting into in terms of, yes, this is very thick and convoluted. I had to watch some of them in English because it's just too fast. They're they're dropping names and locations and people are switching sides and double and triple crossing. And it's nuts. But the Gundam designs are great. The action's great. Just it's a great series. Great franchise. That sounds cool. That sounds like something that I might watch. Yeah. Um, how about you? What's your love bite? Well, you know me, I love sticking to a theme. So I was thinking of other Rachel McAdams movies and things that I've seen before and that I enjoyed. And I haven't seen True Detective, so I don't really know how she is in that role. But there is a movie called Morning Glory. It was my second choice after About Time. Uh Basically, Rachel McAdams plays a producer on a morning talk show hosted by Harrison Ford and Diane Keaton, and they hate each other. And our friend of the podcast, Horror King Patrick Wilson, plays her love interest in the movie. And Morning Glory is written by Aline Broche McKenna who wrote The Devil Wears Prada, as well as a little show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So you know that there is good, clever writing behind this movie. Highly recommend watching Morning Glory if you want to fill in the spaces in uh, Rachel McAdams movies you want to watch. It is a good one. Very nice. All right. Well, that's all for today, folks. Say, how would Big Daddy Mars travel back in time? No, ask me, how would Big Daddy Time Cop end the show? Big Daddy Time Cop end the show? Uh, If you can't do the crime, don't do the time travel. Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.